What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi. Today is, well, it's really late Saturday night. It's uh, about 1.30 a.m., so I guess whatever. You want to call it Sunday. Um, late Saturday, though, I'll call it. Um, October 21st, when it struck midnight, you guys are listening to episode number 82, Ocho Dos. Um, and, uh, first of all, man, just gotta say the feedback after episode 81, um, I don't know, I don't know what the hell I did, I don't know if it was me being tired, or, or what, um, the hell happened with that, but I think I got the most feedback I've ever gotten of any podcast, uh, was amazing, I don't know what the hell you guys liked so much about it, maybe because I was just so tired and didn't give a fuck and just ranted, um, so I guess buckle up for that now, because that's what I'm going to do. But um, I really appreciate all the feedback. And for some reason, um, my I had a huge jump in um, in numbers over the past month. So I would say the past four weeks, the podcast is probably... Um, I worked, you know, really hard for like almost two years now. This December will be two years since I've been doing the Verzi Effect podcast. And I guess... Over the last month, all the work that I did to gain some kind of a steady following almost doubled, so it's been amazing. So uh, thank you, and please keep the comments on iTunes coming. As you guys know, uh, the more comments that I would get on iTunes, um, the more my show gets ranked up and, you know, try to get it, you know, in the top 100 and the top 110, I mean the top 10 and all that stuff. That's obviously what I'm trying to do, so with you guys... uh, all just spreading the word and people listening and all the positive stuff. I really do appreciate all of the, um, you know, the numbers jumping up and, and all of the new listeners. If you're a new listener to the podcast, I really appreciate it, especially over the last month because it's definitely taken the show to the next level. So uh, thank you, everybody. I um, I love doing it, and it's cool because the more you do it, the more you kind of get into a flow. And, um, you know, the first fucking 10 of them were probably awful, but that's that's what it takes to, you know, figure out what the hell you're doing and, and just talking about stuff and being real. And I'm having a blast doing it, so... Just wanted to uh, say that uh, things are looking good. If this was a corporation, I would be like, you know, it might not be time to buy stock yet, but I'm thinking like pretty soon you're going to need a broker. All right. Anyway, here we go. Got a lot of stuff to talk about here on episode 82. Um, if, if, If I sound a little more relaxed, though, I am because, like I said, uh, in last episode, man, I was running around and going crazy, just absolutely exhausted, so much stuff going on, and this week, even though I was real tired because of the kids, it was nice to not, I didn't run around as much, I was able to just kind of take a step back from everything, and you need to do that, you know, that's, that's one thing I want to talk about on this podcast, is how comedians, we always got to go, go, go. You know, I was joking the other night on stage saying, comedians don't go home and go to sleep. You know, we have to come home and do all these extra things and think about everything and think about how we're going to take over the world on the computer and how we're going to do this and figure out all these different things and be creative and write. And you just, your mind is constantly going and you just can't focus or relax 
and and feel good about anything because it's just what's the next thing what's the next thing what's the next thing and that's not cool man you don't want to do that you don't always want to be like that and it's been a real pleasure to this week to just kind of sit back you know ran down to the city worked on some new material um and just spent some time away from stage a little bit writing stuff out um, i'm writing for something i'm trying to put together the the material and everything but um i just feel like when you're running around like a crazy man and you're like, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. Sometimes even though you're doing it and you're in it, sometimes I, I'm, I want this to make sense what I'm trying to say. I feel like you could be so in it too much that you actually lose focus on what you're doing because it's just, you know, for example, uh, tomorrow night I'm going to be uh, at the stand in New York City running my half hour or 45 minutes uh, to get a half hour that we're going to be submitting for television and I'm like, man, what do I do? Like all the new jokes or, or, you know, but, you know, this stuff hasn't been on television. So I want to go back to my best stuff from a year ago. You know, a lot of the stuff that I've been, you know, that I've done in, in big venues. I want to I want to do that. But at the same time, I'm working on such new fresh shit. What do you do? And it was really good to not run all of the old shit I did because when I do run it tomorrow night, I want the shit to be fresh. I want it to feel good. I want it to feel like when I'm doing it, I'm in it. And I think sometimes if you run the same material, the same set all the time, you can see the passion just comes out of it and the crowd notices it. But when you take a break, uh, I feel that you can definitely get into the bit and, and, and be committed to it more because you're like, wow, I'm not beating the shit out of this thing. I'm not beating a dead horse with this joke anymore. So I'm kind of doing that. But what I wanted to talk about um, is... I had a discussion with some comedians about this and, you know, talking about open mics and, and you got to hustle, you got to get up, you got to do anything. Yes, you do. Okay, you do have to get up, you have to hustle, and you have to do everything that you could possibly do to get better, to get stage time, to get the material out there, to do all that shit. Okay, but I'm not a believer in you have to be up every single night if you want to get good. And in order to do that, you'll put yourself through something so ridiculous just to say you got up. You know, for the non-comedian listening to this, a lot of times comedians are like, man, I'm not on stage, but there's this open mic and there may only be eight people there, but I just want to get up and I just want to run it. Listen, sometimes that's cool. And if it's a cool eight people, do it. But I look at it like this, man. You go to those open mics and it's fucking 12 comedians sitting there with notebooks. You're never going to get a real gauge of the crowd. And you're never going to really understand how good or not good the joke that you want to tell there is. Period. I've talked about it many times before. You take that shit to a big show, a packed out show, and you get a real, you get a real read of, of what that bit is. And I'm going to tell you comedians something out there, okay? You're going to get a lot of lumps and a lot of punches. Okay, I'm a little over 12 years from the first time I ever picked up a mic. I only consider myself a professional, probably from like 03, 04. So you figure whatever that is, nine years, eight, nine years is when I, I kind of was doing it on a way more regular basis because like I've said before, the first few years is really tough. But I'm going to tell you, I've taken a lot of lumps in that time and I'm going to take a lot more because I'm nowhere near where I want to be. But I look at it like a boxer. I know I'm going to take lumps, but I'm not going to take unnecessary lumps, 
Okay, I'm not going to be that boxer who's a fucking vegetable. Because there's a lot of hard shit out there in this business. And I'm not going to just beat myself, you know. I'm not going to be like Ali versus Holmes. Fuck that. I'm not doing that. You know, I'm not going to feel bad and shitty and insecure about myself just to say, well, you know, I did fucking get up. Like, don't do that to yourself. If you feel shitty and insecure and it's all fucking comedians sitting there talking and you know it's a bullshit show and there's really no reason for you to be there. Yeah, I know the pride. You're like, man, fuck it. I got to get up. I've done that before. But it feels good to go, you know something, man? Fuck this. I ain't put myself through this shit. I'm not putting myself through it. But listen. Don't take that as you don't have to do it like early in your career. You do. You do. You have to do it. And if you are there, I know the feeling, man, I'm a bitch. I got to get up. If I don't get up, it's bullshit. That's all real. And I get that. What I'm talking about is down the line when you've reached a certain point or when you're like, you know something, I know this isn't going to be beneficial for me. This is bullshit. Leave. Leave. You know, you could network, say what's up. Networking is really important. Say that. But don't, don't just do some shit because I remember doing that. You know, and and the one thing I'll say is if you really got to get new jokes out and you just want to see how it feels. OK, I don't want to be a hypocrite here, but there was a time I went and there was literally six comedians in the crowd and maybe like four regu- like like civilians just sitting there. And I was like, why am I doing this shit? And it was funny. It was right after I had performed at Carnegie Hall and, and it was a fucking hole in the wall. Literally, there were like holes in the wall and shit. Like, I'm not just saying that. Like the ceiling was falling, it was like stained, it was in the back of some bar. You know, it looked like they would fucking, you know, film a snuff film in this place. And I'm going, I was literally just at Carnegie Hall on the most famous stage ever. I stood where John Lennon stood, and I killed in the, one of the most, in the, you know, I would, you know, that was amazing. You know, and I'm like, why the fuck am I here right now? Why am I standing here? And I went on stage and I just started talking about how I didn't, certain things in society. And I just talked about it. And like the comics were really into it. And that was really good to get out. So all stage time is good. But what I'm saying is, if you're going to just do some shit that you've been working on and you know it's you know it's works or, or just, you know, if you just get a feeling like, man, like this shit's just going to make me feel bad about myself. You know, it really is just going to make me feel shitty. You really have to think and be like, is this that beneficial for me to go home and feel like a fucking inadequate, insecure asshole and feel shitty? Because you're going to take lumps, bad ones. Don't be a vegetable, man. That's how I look at it. I ain't gonna, I'm not going to be mumbling after this shit. I'm not going to be muttering to myself, you know. And when I say that, I mean just let this business fucking take your soul, man. Fuck that. It's not going to be me, you know. So that's what I look at. You know, like comedians, no, man, you got to get up. You just got to get up, man. You got to get up everywhere. Like, for what? I don't want to perform in front of comedians with notebooks. I want to perform in front of 400 people, show in and show, just show, packed out. That's what I want to do. And I want to find out if the joke is fucking shit or if the joke is not. Not having somebody at my level go, well, oh, that could be a work. That could work. That could be a keeper. I don't know. I would I would take this out. You know, I would I would take this part of the joke out. But anyway, I got to go because I got to be at Wendy's tomorrow. Fucking 815. It's like, dude, you ain't doing shit. Don't tell me. Just do what you want to do, man. Take your path and don't worry about what other people are doing. That's all I want to say. All right. I remember one time I was in Cleveland. I was performing at Hilarities in Cleveland. And I'm not going to mention names, but the host was like going on. And the host was this cool dude, man. And he was all like nervous to go on. And the guy who was on the show with us was like, man, what, what are you going to open with? 
no, 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 see, don't open with that. You need to open, you know, it's funny, my impression totally just gave away that he was black. <laughs> I was like, I ain't going to mention names. I was like, listen, motherfucker, you better, no, it was, it was, it was a black dude talking to a, um, a, a younger comic, and he was just like, we can open with dude. No, no, and he was just telling him and like psyching the kid out. And I walked over to the guy and I go, listen, man, I'm, I haven't been doing this much longer than you. Maybe, you know, a little bit longer, but fuck that guy and fuck what that guy said, okay? You go up there and you do what you want to do and you feel good about what you had in your head and you're going to learn on your own. You don't listen to, you know, you don't do that. It's not, you know, you wouldn't do that. If you had a game plan, if you were a fighter and you had a game plan and then all of a sudden some like boxer who's been doing it longer than you but hasn't accomplished shit goes no nah, no nah, don't don't start with the jab you know start with this and you already had the plan to start with the jab so that's what you do and then if you get your ass kicked you learned that that was not the way to start and you shouldn't have started with the jab or whatever or you end up kicking the guy's ass because of the jab proving this asshole wrong because this guy hasn't done shit with his career that's all you know that's how I feel about it. And and I feel that like we have pressure to like because when you're new, you got pressure to get up. You got to get as many sets under your belt as possible. You got to get those reps in and all that. And and sometimes you'll put yourself through shit that's just not necessary. Like I remember doing some shows where I left going, you know something, stage time is great, but I really didn't need what I did tonight. I didn't need to do. And I feel shitty about it, you know. So that that's all that I'm I'm saying. Okay, so um, that's it. Um, that's the podcast, 13 minutes, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. No, I'm just kidding. You guys will be like, man, that's bullshit. So anyway, I got this cool feeling here. The feeling that I have, this is what the house is like. My wife is making everything like Halloween-y. halloween My wife, everything is like for Halloween, and as I mentioned before, we got our house in the market, so... People are, you know, coming in, not not many because, you know, the holidays are coming up and everything like that, the falls here and stuff, but we got people coming, you know, in maybe a couple of week or no, not even a couple of week, whatever, once a week, so that our house is always immaculate. Like my house, my condo, and it's all redone and it's immaculate, so it's awesome, right? And now my wife's doing these cool Halloween decorations and AMC is playing all these old horror movies. Which, by the way, have the absolute worst fucking killing and effects ever. Like, there's one where fucking Jason Voorhees just shoots an arrow through some chick's head. And she looked like she was made of clay. Or just like a rubber... Just like a rubber mannequin. It's just so hilarious. And, like, the blood is so fake. It's just so funny. The acting is so bad. You know? Chick's always like, George? George? Now, where did he go? He's always doing this. Like, they turn into, like, grandmothers, but they're, like, <laughs> they're, like, 19 years old. He always just does this. I mean, and I'm going to have to clean it up. Oh, George. And then George is, like, hanging upside down with his arms and legs broken and blood's dripping on the girl's book and shit. <laughs> but I will say this, and I like it, man. I like it. I just have this feeling of like late 80s, 90s, and it's really cool. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm ch I was going through the channels, and I saw on Bravo, House Party, Kid and Plays On. And I just have this cool feeling of like Halloween and, and 80s and 90s, Jason Voorhees walking around, just like snapping necks. It's, it's really cool, you know, because let's be honest, people. 
All right, the coolest killer of all time, as far as badass and scary. Because, like, you can't say Freddy Krueger, and here's why. Freddy Krueger talked too much shit. Like, he'd be like, <laughs> you want to fucking dance? Like, and it would just be hard to, it would be hard to <laughs> get into Freddy because, like, you'd be scared. And I was a little kid when that movie came out, so it scared me, but you couldn't get scared. And then Jason would get, like, a shotgun to the chin, and he wouldn't even fuck, he would just, like, kind of step back for a second and keep coming. You know, I think they, like, cut his, you know, they cut his, cut him in half, like, they blew him up, and he just, like, keeps coming back, and it's just silly, you know. The black guy in the jumpsuit who just boxed him and then he punched his head off the building. It's it's hilarious and you can't... Two of the greatest kills ever, though. Two of the greatest kills ever by Jason Voorhees where I was laughing and I was laughing like it was a comedy. Was one where he... He beat a girl to death with another girl and they were both in, like, sleeping bags. So he just picked up this one sleeping bag and beat the shit out of another sleeping bag and both had girls in it. It was fucking hysterical. And then there was one like Jason's in space. Remember that one? Like Jason, like they brought Jason's, fr- it was like the future. It was like 2000 and some fuck, like, or tw- you know, 21 something. It was just like, you know, so far ahead. And his body was frozen and they're talking about the legend of him and what he did. And of course he comes to life on the spaceship and he takes this like scientist chick by the back of her fucking head and he's holding her hair and he just dunked it in like liquid nitrogen which like instantly froze her face and then he shattered her face into pieces. That one was a great one too. Those were two of the funniest and best kills I've seen like in in, in like bullshit horror movies like that. Um, And then... I think the baddest one, Mike Myers, that shit is gangster. Because Mike Myers, like, you'll see the person scared and, like, running. And the cool thing about Mike Myers is they don't always fall. Like, when Jason's running after you, you could be fucking, like, being like a hurdler speed. Just any, and, and, and he's walking and you fall and then the next thing you know he's in front of you when 10 seconds earlier he was behind you. It's fucking hilarious. So... I would say Mike Myers is, like, real fear. Because, like, and Mike Myers would just look at you and, like, you would, he would just grab you and shit. And just, there was no stupid saying. There was no Freddy Krueger joke. There was no, like, 15 shotguns to the face and, you know, you just keep coming back. He just would grab you and just, unbel- like, just fucking kill you and then, like, look at you in that whole white mask with the hair. Freaky. But I'm just loving the... I'm loving the feeling of this. It, it it reminds me of like, you know, I feel like I'm gonna, gonna go like wake up tomorrow morning and go skateboarding with my buddy or something. It's cool. I know if you, that's when you know you're getting older, because people would always reminisce and talk about shit, and you would be like, yeah, you know. Whatever, dude, that's cool. This guy's living in the past. But then you really get older and you look back and you're like, man, that was so cool. Like, back then was so much cooler. You know, now it's just, I mean, what is there now? What is there now? It's just they they remade The Exorcist 50,000 times. And apparently black girls don't get possessed by the devil. That's one thing I noticed. Every fucking movie is a little white girl screaming. They don't, black, little black girls don't get possessed. And it's either a haunted house where you see shit and then it's not real or it's just, you know, and then the family finally leaves at the end and the priest looks at the house, walks away, the credits come up. 
Now, the first Exorcist and shit like that was really scary, and that was like before people saw it, but you see it now. They don't make a, I want to see a horror movie that makes you fucking cry and look around and look under your bed when you, when you uh, watch it, and I'm waiting for that. I'm not watching this paranormal activity force shit. It's all camera stuff. It's it's not real. That's what's funny. These people are going into the theater jumping around and, and knowing that it's just, it's bullshit. It's like special effects Hollywood shit and they made four of them. Anytime a horror movie gets past like two or three, it's just so fucking insulting. Unless it's just that good. Like, I saw a lot of the Saw movies just because the Saw movies, like, the games that he set up to... You know, anytime somebody's got to, like, dig through somebody's guts to get a key and then watch somebody's face blow off or something, like, you got to watch it. I got, like, even, you know, you got to watch that. But you don't watch it to get scared. I'm talking about scared. When's the last time you were really scared? And I mean really scared. I mean, like, fearing... Fearing for your life. One scary thing that happened to me, I don't know, forgive me if I told this story on the podcast before, I might have, so I'm going to make it quick, but one of the scariest things is I was living with my buddy in Queens, I think I did say it, I think I, I, think I did tell this story, but if you're a new listener, you didn't know it, um, bear with me, people that have heard it, I was living in Queens, and I was living on like the bottom floor of this building, and my buddy... My buddy Jared from Boston was my roommate, and he was down in like Montauk or something with his girl. And we had found out that there were some gates on some of the windows, and we found out that like an old man was robbed. Somebody like hopped in his, like off the ground floor, hopped in, like beat the shit out of him, took his shit. And we were on that, we were on a, on a low floor too. But that was years ago or whatever. We weren't really worried about it. We were kind of in a good section of the building, and it was pretty, it was definitely a safe area in Queens. You know, shit happens anywhere. So he tells me that he's staying in Montauk or wherever he was. And I'm just in my room chilling and it's getting late and I'm watching a DVD. And all of a sudden I hear somebody playing with the door and I hear walking around and nobody's really talking. And I just look under my door and I just see shadows of walking and shit. And I'm fucking scared shitless. Like, dude, there's people in here. They may have a gun. They don't know I'm in here. They may think since the room is dark that nobody's here they could find me rob me or kill me and then leave i'm fucked i ain't gonna be some dude sitting you know sitting dead and fuck in my apartment in queens like fuck that so I, i there was a hammer in my room that's all i had so i grabbed this fucking hammer and this is turning into like a halloween podcast and i really had no i swear to god i had no intention of that like it's not even on the list but let's go with it you know shit's real so uh (laughs) I, uh, I'm drinking my seltzer, everybody. I'm drinking, I'm drinking pomegranate seltzer water. And it's fucking awful at first, but then you get used to it. And don't judge me because I'm losing weight. Eating salads, drinking shit like this. Anyway, so I'm in the fucking room and I'm holding this hammer. And I see, and I don't hear anything. I don't see anything. I mean, I don't hear anything. I just see the shadows going under the door. There's no talking. And I grab this hammer and I'm like, all right, if I go under the bed with the hammer, that's ridiculous. That's typical white person thing to do. Like, not like they can't flip the bed up and shoot me. You know, what am I going to do from under a bed with a hammer? Then I'm like, do I go in the closet with the hammer? And then if somebody opens it, I, you know, or are they even going to look in the closet? And then I was like, fuck it. I'll just run out with the hammer and try to fucking hit somebody and run out of the house. I didn't know what to do. And like right at the, the height of the panic, 
I, I just was like, I got to find out like what this is right now. Like I can't go through this shit. And, and, and then finally I found out that my asshole roommate decided to come back and they were walking around and of course they couldn't have walked in and started whistling or not that when I walk to a place, I start whistling, but you know what I'm saying? Like they could have just went, Hey, yeah. Oh, glad to be back. Hey Paul, what's going on? Nothing. Just walking around, probably thinking I'm sleeping, but freaked me out. And, and like, that's real fear. Real fucking fear. And I guess it's hard for a movie to capture that because they, you always see somebody walking around and you see the bad person, but I don't know. You know what movie was really disturbing? That movie with uh, Liv Tyler and the guy she was getting married to were married and they were like in the woods somewhere and those people with the masks came in and it was based on a true story and they just found them dead and like they showed in the movie like what they thought could have happened and stuff and it was absolutely brutal what they did it was like really painful to watch all right so that's pretty much it i just wanted to say that was it about the the halloween shit i just wanted to say that i think it's really cool that you could just turn on amc and they have these horror movie marathons i'm watching kid and play all the halloween stuff is coming out it brings me back i'm actually excited to take my son trick-or-treat in this year because last year uh halloween was canceled in our neighborhood because it was the only fucking snowstorm in new york last year big snowstorm in new york was october 29th power lines were like live and whipping through the streets up here like a like a damn snake you couldn't go anywhere there was water there was electricity just fucking everywhere it was a nightmare uh halloween got canceled here so i couldn't take my two and a half year old but i am taking my three and a half year old this year and it's going to be awesome so and that's something i'm really looking forward to i mean i would not take a show on on halloween because i just want to be with my son and I mean, and my daughter, but she's only five months, but I just want to walk around my son and watch him get the candy and say trick or treat. It's going to be the shit. And I'm sure all you uh, parents out there know um, what I'm saying. So we will um, we will uh, move on. Speaking of movies, I actually do have a new release movie, but I want to talk about a bunch of shit here. I got to talk about what's going on with the Yankees. Um, I'm going to talk a little, little bit on, on, on some basketball and, and football, but I definitely have to talk about the shit that happened with the Yankees, uh, who got swept by the Detroit Tigers. We'll get into that. And I saw a movie. We'll get into that. Um, so let me just say though, first, before I get into all of the other stuff that I want to talk about, I finally guys got my, um, finally got my new website up. So please check it out. PaulVerzi.com, V-I-R-Z-I. And um, I did it myself, and I would advise everybody, you can do it yourself. You just make sure you can get all the links and the buttons. It's real easy. Make sure you can edit the shit yourself so you don't have to ask people a million times or people that build your damn website. Go on vacation. You got to give them whatever, 50, 100 bucks a month, and, and, and you think, oh, I got somebody doing it for me. It's bullshit. It takes forever. Do the shit yourself. Just make sure your show dates can be updated by yourself and whatever else you want to put up there. I did it. Um, and it's cool, it's simple, it's easy. Uh, PaulVerzi.com, please check it out. I got all the dates uh, up till now. There's a few things coming in that aren't on there, but you know, definitely check out the new dates, and you could see all the stuff. I have some new clips, or the newest clips that I have online, and everything else that you know you could want, all that stuff. So check it out, PaulVerzi.com. Finally got it up. It came up a couple of days ago. I was talking about it on the show before. All right, I feel like that was an ad, but no, seriously, check it out. It's um, it's a cool website. All right, I saw Taken Two. I went to see Taken Two last night with um, 
comedian who I had on the show here, Chris Lamberth. Uh, uh, Chris has uh, been doing comedy a few years now, and um, really nice dude, man. I've mentioned him before. He was on here, and he he just uh, he did did some big shows uh, at Caroline's recently, and he's uh, he's doing well. Really nice dude, and 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 hilarious. And we go out to the we go out to see Taken Two, okay. And low expectations, I guess. You saw the first one. First one, you know, you pretty much get it. I got to say, it got bad reviews, but I figured it out. It's Liam Neeson. Anything that guy is in, he was in the gray. He was good in that. He's awesome in Taken 1. He, he kicked ass in Taken 2. This guy just fucks people up, man. And, and Chris was saying, he's like, man, this guy's really big. And if you watch, he's like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, Huge guy, man. He was just He was just shooting people, beating them up. And I was giving uh, Lambert shit because he's like, man, this movie is racist. And I was like, why the fuck is it racist? If you remember, me and Chris had the racist discussion about LeBron James. And we kind of like half joke about it and shit. But it was just, he goes, this movie's racist. I go, why? He goes, because he's just fucking Muslims up in this movie. And he goes, yeah, I know they took his, they were going to, they try to take his family. And I'm like, dude, he's just, that's where the fuck it is. It's like, I mean, I don't know. We were just laughing about it. And, and I don't want to give him shit. But he's probably listening to this going, motherfucker, and laughing, I hope. But it's just, you know what it is? Chris is one of these guys that he'll find a way. And he's, he doesn't do it in an annoying way, but he finds a way to bring race into shit. But he actually does it in a funny way. And I'm just sitting there going, I wonder what he would say if he was just kicking the shit out of, like, you know, yuppies in Scarsdale. <laughs> what would he say if he was just fucking beating the shit out of people and, like, tying their neck up with their, you know, sweaters wrapped around their necks and pulling it tight. What do you be like, man, this movie is really fuck. I got to tell you, man, these wasps, wasps in Westchester are going to ha- hate this shit. Um, but we, it was a good time, man. We had a good time. I saw it. If you, if you liked one, I think they found a nice way to segue, but, you know, segue, you just, you just can't do it again. Okay, and, I mean, he was a little too good at finding shit out. Like, you could have put a bag over his head and just put him anywhere and he would listen to the wind and, like, know where he was. It, it, it was a little much, but if you like ass-kicking, guns, violence, it was it was great. If you like the bad guy really getting what's coming to him, it's awesome. If you like, you know, just all that kind of, you know, revenge or all that shit, it's good. So, I mean, you're not going to be blown out of the theater. You know, you're not... This isn't going to be some insane, oh my God. No, it's not going to be that. But it's going to pass an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes by. You're going to, you know, there's going to be some intense moments, some cool driving action scenes, and a lot of, you know, ass kicking by ne- uh, Liam Neeson like he did in the first one. So for that, and I went in with low expectations thinking it was going to be shitty. wasn't shitty, so I enjoyed it. So that that's my review on it. I, I would say at a 10, I would give it... I don't know if I could give it a... I definitely can't give it an 8 because an eight's really good. Like a 9 is... A 9 is... I mean, a ten's epic. I mean, a 10 is like Gladiator. A 10 is like, you know, just something that blows you out of the theater. So that's like... That's going to be real rare. A 9, I would say, would be just a really good, solid, you know, movie that you, you get your money's worth. You know, 8, same thing. You walk out satisfied, 8... Taken, like, I I would give Taken a 7, just because 
you got what you wanted. You didn't really get, you know, but it it was good. So so I was I would see it, I guess, or wait for it on DVD. But it it was good. All right, that's the movie review. And I know that um, I haven't done a lot of them, but I'm, there's actually a bunch of movies that I I want to see. I definitely gonna see today. You guys know I talk a lot of shit on my podcast about um, flying and my flights. I have to see this movie Flight with Denzel. It's probably going to freak me out and put me right back to my fear of flying and set me back in my growth with that, you know, my overcoming my fear of flying. And now I'm going to see this movie where everything looks happy and good and then, you know, I see some unbelievably horrible crash and I'm all fucked up, but I have to see it. I got to see it. I think it's uh, Denzel, John Goodman, something like that. I got to see it. So I will definitely review that. That comes out in November. There's actually a few movies coming out in November that I will review and talk to you guys about. Now, got to get into a little bit of sports and talk about what happened to the New York Yankees. I have not watched baseball this year a lot. I've, you know, watched scores. I've, you know, watched the, you know, the news of injured players scroll on the bottom of the screen. Obviously, I watch SportsCenter, but I just really was not into baseball that much this year. Now, that being said, you're out at bars, and it's like the playoffs are on, so you watch October baseball as a shit, so you look up, and of course, I'm rooting for my Yankees, and, you know, they beat Baltimore in Game 5, kind of half-assed, watch that, and then the Tiger series comes, and... You know, there's a buzz going on about it. People saying, oh, you know, the Yankees and, you know, uh, ESPN has more coverage of baseball. Baseball tonight, they're talking about. So it's kind of forced you to pay more attention. I'm a diehard um, Robinson Cano fan. You guys know that. So uh, obviously not happy about his performance. That was brutal. Bill Burr was all over me about it. And rightfully so. And I just can't fucking believe that Robinson Cano, my favorite baseball player ever, who I think is one of the best second basemen I've ever seen. I think he's going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, I can't believe that he gave Bill the fucking ammunition that he can use. Do you guys understand something? So you guys don't understand something, okay? The shit talking and fighting that has gone on between me and a bunch of friends, but especially Burr and especially with the Yankees and especially with Robinson Cano, this could not have been worse for me. Okay, but let's put this aside for a second. I'll get to that shit. I'll get to that shit. I mean, three for 40. Are you Are you shitting me? Are you shitting me? 33 home runs in the regular season. Over 300 batting average. One of the best fucking regular seasons a second baseman could ever fucking have. And this guy's got to do that to me while I'm paying attention with my friends watching closely to see what my guy does. It couldn't be more brutal, but I'm going to put that aside for a second and talk about what happened. Now, uh, Girardi pinch hits A-Rod because A-Rod shit in the bed also. Okay, it's not just Cano. It's not just A-Rod. It was like Swisher, Teixeira. The Yankees lineup just did nothing. But if you pay attention to sports, you guys know Girardi made one of the ballsiest calls and he pinch hits for A-Rod for Raul Labanez. And Raul Labanez not only ties the game in the ninth, but then hits a walk-off in like the 12th. And it looked like one of the best moves. It made A-Rod really look bad. It humiliated him. A-Rod was a Boy Scout. He cheered it on and stuff. And what can you say to a manager who puts in a guy who hits a home run in the ninth to tie it and then a home run in the 12th to win it? You can't do anything. It's an amazing call. It's ballsy. It looks great. Oh, my God, this guy's pressing all the right buttons, everything like that, right? So then he decides in the Tiger series to 
like sit a rod and start benching him and like really like making a big deal of like you know he's putting bench players in now here's my philosophy here's here's what happened he also did it with granderson too okay alex rodriguez not a fan of him uh, and I know a lot of New York people aren't. He's just—I just don't know if he's built for New York. He pays too much attention. He's a head case. You know, he strikes out in the moment. I've talked about this a million times. Doesn't want the ball in a big moment. But he's a Hall of Fame player. He's got whatever over almost 650 home runs. Um, I do think steroids helped him because in the years after he got caught with steroids, the three years—you uh, know—his production has been down. All that shit. However, that being said. He's your third baseman. He's your starting third baseman. You know, he had a shitty year. He got he was hurt. He only had like 18 home runs, batted like 272, something like that. So they take this guy out of this out of the game. And they're humiliating him. And they're putting a bench player in for him. And they also take Granderson out of the game. Then the next day you look, he's out of the lineup again. And I'm thinking to myself, what's Girardi doing? What are the Yankees doing? They keep losing these games and he's taking these guys out. Now, Cano was actually having a worse streak than than these guys, okay, but he's, you know, he's got a good attitude, and they know when he comes out of it, he's going to be, you know, he'll be good, so why not play with the best you have on the field, hopefully they get out of their slump and they win, you win or lose with your best hand of cards, right, you do everything you possibly can to get your best hand, and you play with that, and if it's good enough, you win, and if it's not, you fucking lose, that's what, that's what happens, now, why did Girardi, this is my opinion, folks, Obviously, um, but I have a I have a theory here. I think I think the theory is is right. I can be a hundred percent wrong, but here's what I think. I've been paying attention to the Yankees for a while. I uh, kind of, you know, they they kind of work a certain way, and this is what I think happened. All right, it hit me the other day like a fucking lightning bolt. It just was one of those things where I go, "Holy shit, that could make sense," or I could be wrong. So. Why are you sitting these guys? Why are you sitting Granderson? Why are you sitting A-Rod? Why do you keep doing it? And why are you in the AL fucking CS? Okay, you are in the series to go to the World Series. You win these games, you're in the fucking show. Okay, you're in the dance. Okay, for all the marbles. Why do you have Eric Chavez at third base? Why is Granderson, who hit 40-plus home runs, on the bench? Now, he only did it with two players. He didn't do it with Teixeira, and he didn't do it with Cano. He did it with A-Rod, and he did it with Granderson. Here's why I think he did it. I think that the Yankees are fed up and did not want... I think, And somebody said this on the radio, but I think Granderson plays a part in this, in my opinion. The Yankees probably don't want A-Rod anymore. Okay, He's got $114 million left on his contract. You humiliated a guy publicly in the biggest moment ever. You're talking about a first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, depending on the, th- the steroid situation. But why the fuck would you not have your starting third ba- If he's not hurt, which apparently he wasn't because he was pinch hit for and stuff, why would you take this guy out, shatter his reputation again after all the fucking A-Rod shit over the years died down? You take this guy out. You pinch hit for him, fine. But then you keep doing it and you keep humiliating him. How about, hey, last night's move worked, but you're back in there. Go get him. Snap out of this. I believe in you. Get his confidence up. No. Sit this guy. You also sit Curtis Grandison. Now, people, you got to understand something. Curtis Grandison played center field all year. He got over 40 home runs. 40 home runs, short porch at Yankee Stadium. And he also played in Detroit, yet he was sat in Detroit. 
for you people that don't know anything about Curtis Grandison, Curtis Grandison is probably one of the nicest fucking human beings ever. He's a corporate guy. When I say corporate guy, he listens to everything. Yes, how you doing? He's going to have a great career probably as an announcer after this. He just listens. He'll never ruffle feathers. He always says the right things, and he's a sweetheart of a guy. So my, my theory is this. The Yankees want A-Rod out, but they didn't want to make it obvious. Who else couldn't they sit next to him during A-Rod's humiliation? Who could they look like, oh, no, we're not doing this to you? Maybe Granderson, because Granderson is not a guy who's going to ruffle any feathers ever. So I'm thinking that let's get A-Rod out of here. Let's trade him, whatever, even if we have to eat some money. He's got a no-trade clause, so the only way we can get this guy out of here is if we publicly humiliate him and piss him off and get him the fuck out of town. I don't want to see him anymore. I can't take it anymore, whatever. I I can't believe that they basically compromised the series and season because of it, and that's what they did. That's what they did, because if you want to win that series, you have Alex Rodriguez at third base, and you have Curtis Grandison in center field, and if they don't win because Detroit's pitching was so good, which I don't want to take anything away from Detroit, but if you don't do that, if, 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 you, if you want to try to win the best you possibly can and put the, the best opportunity for you to win that game, I don't give a fuck if he's 0 for 50. You put Alex Rodriguez at third base, you put Grandison, these guys, 40-plus home runs, Grandison's on the bench because he's in a little bit of a slump. Cano had the worst slump of all of them, and he's there. So something's not right. Unless something that we don't know about is going on, and A-Rod said something, or there's another drug test that's going to come out positive from A-Rod, or maybe there's drug tests that are going to come out positive from Granderson and A-Rod. I doubt it. But unless that's the case, this shit makes absolutely no sense. And Jeter's out. That's another thing. That's another reason why they should have fucking really, you know, hoped Alex would, would be in there. And you shatter the guy's confidence, and then you put him in in like the sixth or seventh inning or the fifth inning of the last game. Like, okay, here, go in, don't strike out. Because they knew. That just totally shattered his confidence, and now they're putting him in. It's like, how? what can he do? You publicly humiliated the guy, and they're like, all right, go, try not to strike out now. You give him one or two chances after all this shit happened, I don't buy it. Something's not right, so... That's what I think. And I think the reason why A-Rod is publicly saying, I'm staying here, fuck it, I'm staying here, I love it here. I think he's doing that to spite them because he knows they want him out. That's my philosophy, and I think Granderson being the Boy Scout that he is is a reason he sat with him. Damn it, I'm good. I could be 100% wrong. I could be 100% wrong. I don't think I am, though. Now, Robinson Cano. Oh, my God, Jesus. Robinson Cano. My man. Smoothest swing, smoothest double play ball, unbelievable. It's fucking unbelievable. This guy goes 0 for 29 before a hit. I will say this, though, that fucking bullshit call when he had the bases loaded in game one or game five. He had, there was a game where it was like it was like many at-bats before where he could have been tied at first and brought runs in, and they, it was, they said it was a bad call. So, But he, goes, he has the worst slump in playoff history. And now I have to deal with all these tweets. Hey, Verzi, did you call that? It's absolutely fucking horrible. And then Burr's like, don't bring him up to me anymore. I just, it's, we've had fights and fights. And right when the guy starts turning into a Hall of Famer, and I start getting some legs with this prediction, this shit happens. It couldn't have been worse. It couldn't have been worse for me. So... That's where I stand with the Yankees. I think Girardi's a ballsy manager. I think the pinch hitting for Abanias worked, and I thought that was great. I say next day, you put your best product on the field, and he didn't. He had bench players in there. Something's not right. 
Maybe he wanted to try a spark, but fine. Do that one day, not the whole fucking series. That's all I'm saying. Now, moving on with sports. I cannot wait for the Knicks opening night against the Brooklyn Nets. And I hope to God the Knicks win that game in Brooklyn opening night. Just to stop all this, who's New York's real team? How can you say that? I know they haven't won, and I know the last time they won was 73, and before that was 70, and they only have two titles. I know that. But how can you be disrespectful and say, who's New York's real team? Give me a fucking break. Okay? Give me a fucking break. They were the New Jersey Nets up until now. They haven't even played a regular season game in New York. And you're saying, who's New York? Who's the real team in New York? Give me a break. Oh, I hope the Knicks beat the shit out of them. I hope the Knicks beat the shit out of the Nets every time they play. And the Nets are still that little brother, shitty fucking stepchild that nobody likes. I really hope that that's what, what happens. And you know something, Carmelo Anthony and Amari Stoudemire better show that they're playing at Madison Square Garden in Midtown, New York City, in Manhattan, and that they're the fucking team still. They better show up and do that. Because if they lay down and they get their ass kicked by Brooklyn, it's going to suck. I cannot wait. I will be in front of that TV. I'm excited about that. Last thing I'll talk about sports, New York Giants tomorrow looking good. And I got to tell you something. I think if the defense stays healthy and Eli keeps playing like this, I will not be surprised if they go on another run. And I think this team, I'm not saying they're going to because it's tough. This team could go to a Super Bowl and win a third. Eli can win a third. That's how good he is. That's how good his team is right now. And I could not be more fucking happy about it. So that's going to be it for sports. Um... I haven't really talked too much about sports or movies, so I want to bring that. I wanted to bring that back to the podcast, but maybe I fucking shouldn't have because numbers have been good when I haven't. <laughs> so anyway, I can't believe we're at forty-five minutes, but I'm gonna keep going here. I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna give you guys some some extra shit. Um, what did I see? I saw something on TV that I just can't explain. It was ridiculous. I was watching this show called. Um, I'm married to a, and it just that's what it's called. I'm married to a, and like one, I guess was like that little person actor who was like, I guess they put him in an oven in that movie like Project X. He's like that little like, just bald, tough guy looking like midget guy or whatever or or, or little person, excuse me, and he like has a. a an average size girlfriend, regular size girlfriend who's pregnant, and they're doing that, and I'm like, okay, I guess that's. I guess I'm married to like a little person or something. And then the other one looked like what seemed to be a normal couple. And this totally freaked me out. I was like, what's weird about them? I'm looking for like prosthetic legs or arms and shit. And I'm like, what What could this be? And then all of a sudden he's like, all right, I'm going to do my job now. And I was like, what is this guy? And totally just thinking, I was like, what? either she's got a plastic arm or what is this guy like gay or something? And all of a sudden he goes, she goes, he's going to do gay porn. And he's not gay. And she's like, no, I don't worry about it. He's not gay. And like, this guy flies to L.A. I think he's like a no. I don't know if he's no. They said something. Or like, I was just flipping. Through. I was like, what? I just literally, I had to just go, what is he doing? And this guy flew to L.A. to do gay porn. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, I'm making four grand. It's like a, like a, like a thousand an hour. I'm just going to go there and do this and then come home. You know, I provide for my family, provide for my wife. I love her. And I was just like, What? And then they actually like showed him out there like on the set. 
and it was just like what he's just like yeah you know when i come here i get into character it's just acting i want to go fuck a man now and then come home and it's like yeah and she's like no and he's and it's like wait a minute wait a minute how can you say and the wife is like no i think he'd be a good dad how the fuck does that work first of all you are gay if you're getting a hard on to it if you're getting a hard on and you're kissing and fucking a dude there's no way you could be like no it's just like there's not that does, how does that work like, this dude's probably gay, and he's just, like, hanging out with this chick for something, or, like, he's, like, bisexual, and he's, like, oh, I'm gonna fuck dudes, and, hang. like, it's the craziest, like, what do you say to your, like, he'd be a great dad, what do you say to your son? All right, son, look, man, we are definitely going to that ball game when I get back. All right, but look, speaking of balls, I gotta go to work. <laughs> oh, shit. Listen, speaking of balls, oh, that might be a bit, dude. That might be a fucking... Listen, speaking of balls, dude, I got to go to work, all right? I'm going to take it to the face a couple of times. But when I get back, all right, I'm going to shower, and then we are going to the game, okay? All right, buddy. Love your mother. Like, what the fuck? Dude, it's amazing. It's amazing to me, this shit they put on. And then they got the two-headed girl. They got the two-headed girls on TLC. They just put anything on now. They just put anything on. Like, they, I'm, I'm telling you. Like... What what's next? Seriously, what's next? I just I don't understand why TV has become why people have become so Now granted, I was changing the channels for this shit and like I'm talking about stuff like why is it on and I'm actually talking about it. The reason why is cuz you stop you see it, okay? You see a guy say, yeah, I'm married, I love my wife, but I'm going to go fly and do gay porn. Like I you got to at least fucking check out a segment. Like what does this mean? You know, you see a girl with two heads, you don't want to see it, it freaks you out, but you got to be like, right, hold on, I got to just, I got to see where this goes, you know, like, what the fuck, you know, what if the heads don't like, what if they fight, like, you got, you got to, you got to watch it, and that's the fucked up thing, man, it's crazy, and the, as far as these debates, and as far as this, uh, this election, I mean, if, if seeing, if seeing Romney and Obama laughing at that dinner together and truly enjoying hanging with each other because that's what it looked like. Unless they're the best actors in the world, which they're not. These guys are friends, dude. They 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 chill in the same circles. There's some fundamental... Like, there's differences politically, dude, but these guys are in the fucking same fucking tax bracket. It is such a joke, man. My wife said something really smart. She's like, you know something? The government, this is just so silly, like... Like it, it really, it really is so. It, it's a shame that the the public truly doesn't understand what's happening. That we are just so little and and insignificant to what really is going on with our government. Our government can do shit that is ridiculous. My brother told me today that insider trading was legal for congressmen and people in politics up until like not long ago. Like they could just fucking talk about fucking companies that are going to blow up and trade. Like, that's what he told me, and I mean, if that's true, like, think about what that means. People went to jail for that shit. That's a fucking felony. Martha Stewart went to jail for that. They just do it. They just fucking do it. And we're just watching TV going, yeah, I agree with that point. Good for you. Good for you. It's all bullshit. It's all fucking bullshit, man. I am not voting this year, and I am excited about it. I am sitting this one the fuck out. 
I'm sitting it out because times are really fucking bad now and times are probably going to get a little fucking worse. Whoever's in there, I don't give a fuck. I'm not voting for either of these fucking guys. I'm going to do it with a smile on my face. The fact that there's not another option, there's not another third party, something like that. The fact that these, this is what the, this is the best America has to offer. These fucking two clowns. This is the best. Oh my God. This is fucking America, man. The best we fucking got is this. It's unbelievable. It's it really is unbelievable. So, you know, I I wasn't even gonna watch the debate. I had to watch a debate because um, everybody was watching it, and I was going through um, AM radio in my car, and I caught the opening of it. And I was like, let's just see how they open up. You know, I'm in the car, and I heard it get feisty. And what really got me into it was when Romney told the president, he goes, I'm talking now, you'll get your turn, or don't talk, like, he said something, and I was like, oh, shit, I was like, that's fucking gangster, I don't give a shit, like him or not, dude, when he said that, I was like, holy shit, so, and then, you know, and Obama came, Obama came out, and, um, you know, Obama was definitely, well, Obama had to be stronger, because the first one was just, I mean, he admitted, it was just, a, the after the first the debate, like, this guy doesn't want to be president again, but I think that, um, you know, as far as like really believing everything they say, it's it's crazy. I mean, I actually personally heard them both lie. They both lied. They both they both fucking lie. They both tw- twist the truth, and it's a joke. So I don't know. You know what I did watch, and this is actually sad to say that I watched this, but I watched the New Jersey Housewives reunion. Where the husbands came on. And the guy was like, yeah, she hit you in the head with a bat. And just stuff like that. Just watching. I don't know what it is about grown Italian men when they fight that I think is the most hysterical thing. Because it's not, there's nothing about it that is sophisticated. It goes straight to, it's the closest thing to like animals. There's nothing intellectual about two Italian, like fucking full on Jersey Italian dudes fighting. It goes from, yeah, why'd you say that? I don't know. What are you, an asshole? No, you calling me an asshole? How about you eat this bat? I'd put you in the ground. Like, it just goes right to that shit. And it's, <laughs> it's just like hilarious. It's just so funny to me to watch a guy go, oh, shit, yeah, what'd, you, what'd she do before that? What was she, a stripper? And I go, don't you do that. Don't you go there. Oh my god, it's so fucking funny. Watching two Italian dudes just fight is so funny. Just, uh. And that's, you know, I'm like, really, am I going to watch this? Am I really watching this? I'm like, yeah, you kind of got to watch this. This is pretty. My wife was watching something on Vanderbilt and, 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 uh, what's the other guy? And Rockefeller watching that. That's what's cool about my wife, though, man. My wife is like she 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 sees through the bullshit before so many people. So like I like that because she's just like I'm not watching. Like I'm not. She she watched the debate for five or ten minutes and she just goes, "This is I cannot believe people are watching this going like they're they're both lying to become president right now. They're both lying to the American people about what they did, about what they're gonna do. It's all fucking. It's hilarious to me." 
put it this way, TV is so bad now, I had to resort to watching Italian husbands from New Jersey fighting on a panel, just yelling at each other and laughing. That's how funny it was. But I will say that it's for that very reason and very fact that if Chris Christie runs for president, I will fucking vote for that guy in a... Chris Christie has to run for president. I don't give a shit what your political stance is. If you are a comedian and you don't vote for Chris Christie, you are out of your fucking mind. Period. To watch that fat, sweaty man and that gigantic neck and chin coming out of a dress shirt with his tie strangling his blubber and him yelling. I said before, the funniest thing he said was when that storm was coming in Jersey. He goes, you guys got an hour. Get out of what, Get out of here. What are you, nuts? Like, don't be an idiot. It was the funniest thing. Oh, my God. The, 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 the SNL sketches, all of the jokes about Chris Christie and his weight. And I really hope he doesn't go and try to get so political... That he like wants to lose weight and wants to like, you know, I hope he doesn't get that Rex Ryan bypass surgery on his stomach and all that. I really don't want him to do that. I just want Chris Christie to just waddle out onto the fucking platform, stand behind the podium and just, just talk. Oh my God. Just listening to him talk. Could you imagine what Chris Christie would do if he had to like tell us that we're going to war speech? It would be hysterical. There would be no tact. He'd be like, all right, look, man, here's what's going on. Dude, they bombed us. It uh, can't happen. So, um, you know, we're going to go in there and um, we're going to take care of business. It Like, oh, my God. And he gets into it. He starts yelling and shit. Please, Chris Christie. If anybody here knows Chris Christie or knows a ki- his kids or anybody, anything... Just tell him he will win. He will win. Because everybody in entertainment would have to vote for him and put their political views aside. You'd have to. It would almost be worth like even if he would be the demise of the country and we would have to, we'd be set back like thirty years, I think joke writing wise it would have to be. I think joke writing wise it would have to be like you know, worth it. Give you guys almost an hour. You want me to keep going? Why not? I'm exhausted. I'm drinking my fucking pomegranate seltzer. Thing is, I don't even have any more notes to talk about. We got some stuff in there. We got some Halloween stuff in there. We got the Yankee stuff in there. Uh, I talked about taking two. I think I came up with a funny joke. Guy leaves his family, leaves his wife to go do gay porn, and they said he'd be a good father. We're definitely going to that ball game. Speaking of balls, oh, I think I wrote one there. What else can we talk about? I want. I wish I could get callers on this fucking show. I re- but I know what would. I know how all the calls on this show would be. Hey, Verzi, how can Cano do in the playoffs? Did you call it? That's the only thing that's annoying about fans and supporters is sometimes, like, they're so not funny that they have no idea that, like, the joke is old. Did you call it? Did you call it, dude? Did you call it? And it's 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 just like, no, nah, man. 
I didn't call it. All right, I can't fade on you guys. I got to keep this thing going here. I got to keep this thing going. You know, I can't just fucking stay on here to act like I'm doing time. This isn't a set. Got to have some content here, damn it. Got to have some content and all that shit. Ah, fuck. I don't know. I just don't fucking know. I just, I just want to go on vacation. Alone. No family, no wife, no kids. Just a fucking, ugh. I'm so tired, people. It's so tiring. I just don't, what do you do? You get triplets. What do you do if you get triplets? Or fucking quadruple, whatever the fuck. You just, you just, yeah, here's four babies. Good luck. Just go right to the gun store. Single car wreck. Just <laughs> right off the, f nah, man. It, 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 you gotta get help with shit like that. You gotta just basically pay people because, you know, these women back in the day during the baby boom had four or five kids and shit and they acted like it was no big deal. I don't know what the hell they did. But I think I think the disciplining back then is the reason why they weren't as tired, because there's something about there's something about like instilling fear. You know, it's like, look, if you do that again, I'm gonna wrap this metal buckle around your head. You're going to bed without dinner, and you're not coming out of your room for a week. And if you just do that with all of the kids, and they don't have to worry about shit, you're like, it just makes it easier. It makes everything easy. Because then you got like four or five kids sitting on the couch just staring. Yes, mother. Yes, father. You got it. Let's do all the chores. I just can't hit my fucking kid, man. I'm just not going to hit him. I, I really, I refuse to hit my son. Because kids remember everything. I'm not going to be that guy. And I know some of you out there, oh, no, he's going to be raised wrong. No, he's not. No, he's not. Don't even fucking tell me how I'm going to raise my kid or he's going to be raised wrong. Now I'm having a hypothetical fight with somebody who's listening to my podcast that I that I think may or may may say that. No, but seriously, like I don't I'm not going to do that. I don't think it makes sense to do that. I don't want my kid to fucking flinch every time I move near him or if I get mad or yell. I want him to know, look, I'm going to get mad, I'm going to yell. I may take something away from you. I'm not going to fucking hit you. I'm not going to hit you. I I don't want to do that. I want to fuck get the fuck out of him. I'm going to hit my kids. There's, I and it's it, no. And then there's resentment, and then all of a sudden they have that, like, thing in their head where they're like, when I get, you know, big enough, I'm going to beat the fuck out. Like, no, I'm not hitting my kids. I'm not laying a fucking hand on them. My wife tells me I go too easy on them, but I, I don't think I do, you know? I just, because my kids are good. Like, I mean, I guess I guess a spanking if something is really bad. Like, if my son ran up to my wife and just, like, smacked her in the face and called her a cunt, I'd have to probably smack his ass. But that would be a little freaky. I think if he actually said the C word and did that at three and a half years old, we'd have to put him in, like, a mental institute. If he even knew what that meant, if he knew how to say that, that would be... I, I don't even know what I'd do. If my son actually ran up to my wife and slapped her in the face and called her that, I don't know what I would do. I would probably be fucking stunned... And call 2020 and be like, you guys got to get out of here. This is unreal. But I know people whose parents beat the shit out of them. And I know people who have resentment forever. 
I um, I remember one time I was hit, and I remember it, and I still to this day, it wasn't that big of a deal, but to this day I do remember it, and it was a memory that I just don't like and wish didn't happen, so you 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 don't want your kids to have that memory, you know? And again, I'll hit the kid if, if it was really, really, like, warranted. You know, like I said, if you see him hitting somebody, if you if he's just acting so crazy that the only way to do it is to just do it. But, like, I just don't want to do that. And people are like, that's the problem. That's the fucking problem today. That's the problem. And it's like, no. Well, my parents hit me. Yeah, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? Because your parents hit you fucking you? You know, Catholic school, nuns and shit would slap the fuck, you know what I mean? What, what good did that do? Just gave people guilt and shit? Fuck that, man. Don't let anybody tell you how to raise your kids either. Just do what you do and hopefully you work out the best. Don't let your kids get away with shit. Just my son won't shit on the potty at home. He just shits on the potty at school. I just don't understand that. And I told him, I go, Lucas, if you poop on the potty at home, you're going to get the toys you want. You want that remote control car, you're getting the shit. Don't you understand how good of a deal? Like, you just have to go sit down and go. You're going to get the remote control car you want and the other toy you want. It's going to be like Christmas. All this kid has to do is shit on the bowl and it's going to be Christmas. And he just looks at it like it is the like a fucking the gas chamber. Like it's the chair. And at school, oh, just, you know, poops away. No problem at school, nothing like that. I don't get it. If anybody's got advice on that, let me know. Some people say he's going to go at his own pace, you know. But I just don't understand why he eats all his food at school. He's, he's great. He's great at school, everything. But he just won't do it at home, and I don't understand it at all. I'm hoping that... I actually, I, I actually tried reasoning with him. I go, look, I go, I think I even said, dude. I go, dude, look. I just brought it to a level where I was talking to a friend. I go, dude, look. You just got to sit on the potty and poop. Just squeeze it out, dude. Wipe your ass. You know, I'll help you because you're three and a half. You probably need help with it. Because it's probably not going to get done properly if you do it yourself at three. But all you got to do is... Is go on the bowl, do do it, and you are going to get what you want. And he's just like, no, I won't do it. <laughs> I'm like, why? Why is it so bad? I just really want to know the psyche of it. Like, I wonder what the doctors say about that. Because here's the thing. Being scared of it's one thing. Why is he doing it at school? Like, he doesn't want to disappoint his teachers. but he, he, I mean, it's not that he's disappointing us, but like, I don't get it. He eats all his food. Look at my son's report card. They'll be like, yeah, fucking, he ate all this, he ate all that. Here, he's got to have fucking, like, he's got to have the greatest slice of pizza on earth. He's got to have, you know, everything's got to be perfect or he's not doing I just don't know. I don't know what it is. I'll tell you, he's super smart, so maybe that's, what, you know, maybe that's what's going on, but I don't know. So I'm hoping that that happens. But don't fucking, don't, don't, like... I guess that'll be unacceptable for the week. I think that that's a good unacceptable. I think that with all the knowledge we have of children like rebelling and being resentful, I would say, I'm not going to say it's unacceptable to hit your kid, but I'd say unacceptable for this week would be if like you, you fucking like go overboard to like, like if you're fucking hitting your kid hard and shit, like that's unacceptable to me, man. 
Sorry if there's any old school parents out there listening to this shit. Come on, man. Seriously, you don't do that to your kid. You don't have your kid fear you, man. I had friends, dude. I had friends who feared their fucking... They feared their parents. I had friends who fuck... And it was like... And it's just resentment so long. I mean, fuck that. Don't do that. Unacceptable, man. Unacceptable. That's unacceptable for the week. Leave your fucking kids alone. Stop doing that. Stop taking out what happened on you, too. That's another thing they do. People, some people take out, they get fucking hit, so they hit your kid. And if, you hit your, if you're listening to this and you hit your kid, man, look into the mirror and figure out why the fuck you do it. And if the only answer you could come up with is, well, that's what happened to me, that's, that's bullshit, man. I just, I, I, I've never understood how hurting your, your I, I never understood how n- not being able to get the point across without doing something physical, I, don't, I never understood that. That's bad parenting. If the only way you're getting through is if you fucking smack a kid, hurt him, make him go to his room crying, and then and then you, I just I don't get that. Unacceptable if you hit your kids, if you beat your kids. Uh. Now your pets, I mean, they don't really have souls, so beat the fuck out of your pets. That's what. No, I'm just kidding. That's even worse. I, I don't know how. I just I don't know, man. I don't know. And you know something? God bless you if you got beaten and you were like, that was so fucked up I would never put my kids through that. God bless you if you're that person. Because there are some people that had some horrible shit happen and you know something? They were strong enough and big enough to go, fuck this man, I ain't doing that. I'm not doing it to my kids. I, you know, I I had some things happen with, with, with me in my life. Not, I never was hit, never abused in any in any way. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, there were definitely things like that I was told at a very young age that like a kid probably shouldn't have been told, but I wouldn't say that I was like abused or whatever, but just knowing some of the shit that I know that happened to me when I was younger, I know for a fact I would never do it to my kids. That's the way you got to do it. You know, I just don't get that. Like, yeah, I was molested, so I'm going to molest a kid. That's just so fucked up to me. But I mean, I guess those people are sick, but you know. If you see the bad shit and you choose not to do it because you know what it did to you and you want your kids to have better than that, man, that's the only way to go. Because it's about the children, everybody. I think that's what we should leave on. It's about the children. Have kids, man. Seriously. If you love a girl and you're with the girl, just have the fucking kids, dude. Just pass your name and your legacy on. Have fun with them. And uh, I think that's going to be it. I'm going to do some plugs. You know it's time to wrap up when you just go look in the microphone and go, have kids, guys. Just just, just have a kid. Keep your name going. Hour and ten minutes. Gave you guys overtime again. Fucking lucky pigs. I said that the other night, the other day. I said that I, I, at the comedy show was going so great at the stand and I was hosting and I just go, you lucky pigs. All right, plugs for the week. Uh, This podcast will be up within hours. So if you do listen to this and you live in New York City, come out to the stand. I will be at the stand tomorrow night at 8.30. I am going to be working with uh, Chris Lamberth. I will be working with Adrian Appalucci. 
and um, I am going to be doing a long stretched out set that we are going to be submitting for something for television. Um, there's going to be food. It's going to be fun. The, the show's not going to be over late. You could still catch uh, maybe even more than, than a half of the football game that's going to be on tomorrow night. Come out. It's going to be a great time. Okay, and um, check out the new paulverzi.com website. It has all of the new dates, upcoming shows. It's got some clips. It's got everything. Check it out. I hope you enjoy it. Please keep the comments coming on iTunes and everything. November 2nd, okay, November 2nd, I will be, actually, November 1st, I am doing the the, uh, the Gilda Radner um the Gilda Show. It's uh, Gene Wilder started for Gilda Radner, and um, it's uh, going to be at Levity Live. It's going to be great time fundraiser. November second, I am flying out to New Orleans, and I will be opening for Bill Burr two shows at Harris Casino, and uh, then we're going to be checking out a big LSU football game. That's going to be awesome. And then I come back, and um, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be on the New York Comedy Festival show at the Stand, uh, the Cringe Humor Show. So come out to that. You can see all this stuff on the newpaulverzi.com. Please go to iTunes. Please download the show. Okay. Uh, I love you guys for it. That's why I'm going to give you guys overtime when I can. Um, I'm not going to change the show to an hour. The show is 45 minutes, so don't be like, oh, Verzi's doing an hour now. Now, fuck that. I'm doing 45 minutes. I just was in the mood to sit here and bullshit the last couple of episodes. So uh, I can't spoil you motherfuckers. But definitely, please keep the comments coming because I want to get this shit ranked up there. And thank you again. Until episode 83, I will talk to you guys then. Everybody have a good one. And um, that's it, man. Hopefully I see you guys at a show. Go G-Men.